Hi, I'm Jeff Galloway, and you're listening to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays this year. And welcome to episode 92 of the Runny Drink Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Amy. And don't forget a wish for a safe and wonderful coming new year. Yes. Since we're right upon New Year's Eve. I'm your co-host, Dana. Hey, everybody. Yes. And this is our New Year's Eve episode, actually. Well, it, it almost. Will, it will drop on New Year's Yes. Day. Yes. Yes. So, Happy New Year, however you celebrate, and here's to a fantastic 2020. And I was just thinking, as I was listening to the intro before we started recording, I'm so grateful, and it's been such a gift this year, especially, to do the podcast and to have such a great audience in the Runcation Nation. We've been really fortunate. We've met so many amazing people at the different races. We have made some friendships via social media and the people who have joined in on the fun that is runcationing and planning their travel around these destination races. And we're lucky that we've been able to bring some really fantastic locations runs food and drink to people when i think about it i mean if you go all the way back to january of 2019 january started off with the key west half wow yeah yeah and in february we did uh jacksonville with donna right and in march we went to kentucky and ran the bluegrass yes Yeah. Yeah. And oh gosh, just, we did the run Disney virtual race series over the summer. Great way to train. Yeah. Cheap excuse to go to Disney. As well as returning to Key West after your knee surgery to do the Key West, the Sunset Hemingway 5K. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice flat course. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and then we went to beautiful and amazing Alaska. Probably one of my favorites for the year. Oh, so great. And then as if we couldn't get enough of Key West, we returned there in October for the Southern Most. Twice in a year, but two totally different uh, races, especially given yeah. the, the change in weather. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's always such a good time down there. And... Returning to wine and dine. Well, that's where it all began. I and mean, we kind of have to go back there. It's, I mean, it's amazing. And celebrating a PR there. Yeah. And then turning around and doing one of our favorite races that we will, well, one of our favorite re- weekends that we started to recap on our last episode prior to Christmas, 
Barb's 5K kicked off that weekend. And this episode, I am so excited to recap on our last episode of 2019, our last episode of this decade. Yeah, it'll, we won't be returning until it's the 20s. Yeah, the 2020, the year 2020. Oh my God, I can't believe it. But our last episode, I'm so glad that it's one of my favorite races and our coach, America's coach, Jeff Galloway's half marathon, partnering with Northside Hospital Orthopedic Institute this year. So we'll talk the half marathon, the biggie, on Sunday of that weekend. And then one of your old haunts, I'm so excited that we get to share Highlander in this episode. Yes. And a little undiscovered gem for us, Scofflaw Brewing Company. Yeah, that was a great find. So good job there. I I can't wait. I just, I wanted to just kind of take a very brief look back at, it's been an amazing year when you think about everything that we've done. And now we get to end recapping one of our favorites today. Yeah, and we're going to have a chance to do some recap on the day proper. I think we'll probably do something on social media on the 31st. But yeah, I mean, just a nice look back, I think, is is always warranted, especially when it's been a year full of amazing experiences, great experiences, ups and downs. Definitely yeah. some adversity and oh, yeah. uh, some some accomplishments. So, mm-hmm. what a what a great year 2019 was, and I'm I'm excited that we yeah. were able to cap it off in terms of our race series with Jeff's race. I think the adversity makes us appreciate experiences like the the Jeff Galloway race all the more. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, that's what's uh, cooking for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of accomplishing, exploring, and indulging. So should we kick it off? Let's kick it off. Let's let's uh, cross the start line with yeah. talking about Jeff's race, the big one. Oh, so Jeff's half marathon, the Northside Hospital Orthopedic Institute half marathon weekend powered by Jeff Galloway. The last event of the weekend is the half marathon on Sunday morning. And you know what? It is not at an obscene hour of the morning. Yeah, that's a good way to start. If anybody is looking at this race next year in 2020, because I know that they put out on their website the dates for 2020, which are very similar to this year. It's, yes. It's right right around right before the Christmas holidays. I think it's the 12th and 13th again, somewhere around there. This is an 8 o'clock start. Yeah. So I just, you don't have to get up at 3 a.m. Now, I love Disney races. That's not That's not a knock because Disney knows how to do it right. That said... That said, it's early, and all of our marathon weekend friends are anticipating their early wake-ups the first weekend in January for, for Marathon Weekend 2020, But so you know what I'm talking about out there. You know yeah. all of our friends who are running that. Good luck, by the way. I'm already seeing the questions <laughs> in some of the Facebook groups about what time should I plan to get up if I want to get there by insert time here. You would call it O-Dark Ridiculous. It is O-Dark Ridiculous. That's what you'd call it, but- it's- <laughs> that that wake up is almost not even worth going to bed for. I mean, uh, well, really and truly. I, you got to time it right. You got to go to bed early. But we didn't have to do that. It's always good to get a good night's sleep. 
before yeah. before your half, even though sometimes there are nerves. But if you're looking for a race with an early start time, but not crazy early, then this is great. And he has the start is in Midtown Atlanta. Oh, look. right. And here's why one reason I like this start. Yeah. An 8 a.m. start time means that if you're staying at a hotel that offers a continental breakfast. Oh, this is such a great tip too, yeah. Chances are really good that you have plenty of time to get downstairs or to whatever floor that your hotel is serving breakfast at Mm. and actually get some pre-race breakfast that's prepared Mm -hmm. that you don't have to buy and stick in your hotel refrigerator the night before. So that was actually, you know... Pro tip, if you're going to do the mm-hmm. Jeff Galloway race and you're staying at a travel hotel, oh, yeah. you can actually have your the breakfast that's baked into the cost of your hotel room. So and hey, they're, big not, win. they're not a sponsor for us this week, but the Hilton Atlanta. That's the hotel that we typically stay at for this race, race a weekend. A great place to stay because their breakfast is awesome. Yeah, if you get their included... Um, Cooked to order. No, it's not cooked to order. I'm sorry. They do a breakfast buffet. Breakfast buffet is, I think, what they call it. But yeah. it, they're they're constantly bringing fresh stuff out, oh. uh, fresh hot food out, They've eggs got, and grits. Oh yeah, all that oatmeal. But they've also got fresh fruit. Yeah, oatmeal, yogurt, yogurts, all of that. So Coffee, whether you want to go heavier or lighter, you got a good option there. Water. Yeah. So that's a great hotel and a, and a couple of great tips, and it, it's a nice race for that. Specifically for that start time. Yes. Yeah. But as you were saying, it starts in Midtown Atlanta. Oh, yeah. So we were able to get a good breakfast on, and then we lifted. Uh, we use Uber and Uber and Lyft a majority of the time in the weekend. Yeah. And, and we Lyft, used Lyft Marta. Lyft was the one. Well, we used Marta to get in to, get, to the hotel from the airport. Yeah, in and out. But for this particular morning, we used Lyft to get down because yeah. it just had the best time to get a driver. Yeah, it's not really hard to get a driver at that time of morning when you want to head down. And our, our hotel was so close. I don't think we left until 7, 15, 7.30. About 7.30. Yeah. So and if, that got us there at 7.40. Yeah, if you're staying in Midtown area at that Hilton or elsewhere, because there are several hotels down there that would be really close. Oh yeah, to the start line, that you don't have to leave that early because the they're plentiful. The the lifts, the yeah, transportation is great. I would say that if you're looking to the, to do the Jeff Galloway race weekend, choose a hotel that is in either downtown mm-hmm. or Midtown. The, yeah. re- the reason for that being is that Atlanta is a very busy city when it comes to morning commute traffic. True enough. And even on weekends, that traffic can be heavy depending on what other events might be going on in the city. Mm-hmm. If you're in the midtown or downtown area, you're probably going to be no more than f- five to 15 minutes away from the race start mm-hmm. and the race finish. If you start getting hotels further out, you just have to plan accordingly and know that traffic may be an issue for you depending on the weekend. Yeah. So the hotels are plentiful down there. So there's no reason that you can't score one for the race weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. I even think not this year, but a couple of years ago, he originally had his race scheduled on a particular weekend and then taking that into account 
to speaking to your point, mm-hmm. he actually moved the race yes. to a later weekend because it was some kind of Hall of Fame NFL something. I believe it was a college football. Oh, college! Big college football game, and every hotel in in the Atlanta metro was, area was booked. It was crazy. So, so they made some adjustments. Mm-hmm. So there's just so flexible and so great about this weekend. So we left about. 7.30, mm-hmm. got there about 7.40. Yep. The weather was about 10 degrees warmer than it has been in the past, and there was no rain. Yeah, for us doing this race over the last five years, and I think that we have we did the first year virtually, mm-hmm. and then we've attended the last four. This was the warmest year that we we have had, and our morning temperatures were in the 40s. Yeah, and it warmed up to about the 50s across the course as we ran the course. But yes. So that was that was great. We didn't really have to have ponchos or hover or I didn't even really need gloves. No, not at all. When it's 40 not out there at in Atlanta. So so we, we got to the start and it's right there by Cafe Intermezzo, which was not open, which is sad because they have great coffee. They do. That's another and uh, dessert. college favorite of mine. <laughs> But yeah, um, right there by Cafe Intermezzo at 10th and Peachtree, mm-hmm. and that's directly across the street. Or you're actually you're actually lining up right next to the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. and it's an uphill climb to the start line where they have the the arch set up, and they have three corrals. They have every single year that we've done this race. This this race has been in existence for six years. So, like you said, we did the, the first virtual, and then we've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. So, it it has an A corral, a B corral, and a C corral, and they'll start um, their wheelchair athletes a little bit before those corrals go off. Yeah, there. Yeah, um, there's a gear check also if you need it, and if you register early enough, your your bib has your name on it. But all the bibs are color-coded according to Corral. Yeah, and it's very easy. The, mm-hmm. the start area, they do it. It's actually pretty smart. They actually do the start right at the intersection. Mm. So the, on one side of the intersection is the arch, and then on the other three legs of that intersection mm. are where the Corral's go and the gear check and there's plenty of uh porta potties around in each section in each corral along with the gear check there's no reason you can't get there you can't have a quick potty stop before you get up there and you start with your corral yeah absolutely and jeff has himself is emceeing all along the way and as you start he's there to kind of wave you off, which is fantastic. And they did very quick way, um, not waves, but they, the, the time between corrals was not very long. This year. I thought it was longer last year. I think uh, it wasn't significantly longer, but I mean, it was maybe one minute between or two minutes between. Maybe that's just my imagination. But you get going and you don't have to stand around. Even if it's cold or rainy, you don't have to stand around for very long before – a goes, B goes, C goes, and they have Galloway Pacers in all the corrals, and they have flags, and they're wearing bright yellow, like green, greenish yellow neon, neon, yeah, uh, tank tops you or shirts over top of whatever whatever they're running in, and they have their their goal pace up there on a little flag, and you you can go with them, and and they'll tell you what their ratios are. 
Yeah, you yeah. can't you cannot miss them, and they're plentiful. Mm-hmm. And they're so positive and so great. I'm always in between the three thirty and the four hour. Or well, yeah, we, we yeah, always yeah. we always line up at the back of the corral. That's yeah. why. Yeah. So it's and they're such great people. So we've actually personally talked with both the three thirty and the four hour pacers mm-hmm. and they're they're just fantastic people. They really they're, are. Very sweet yeah. and positive. Motivating and, and it doesn't matter whether there's one person or a ton of with them. Which is really great to see. You know, we talk a lot about being back of the packers and you know we're very rarely at the very back of the pack. But there for every race there's always somebody who is oh, yeah. legitimately the last person to cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. And what's fantastic about Jeff's race is oh. that these pacers, if you're, and they were running with the person at the back of the pack. Yeah. They stay with them the whole time. And there was a 430 as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there was. Yeah. Just so you know, for, so, and, and he's out there for five hours. He'll. And Jeff stays until the last runner crosses the finish line. Mm-hmm. So, it, so I think that there was a gentleman this year that was the last one coming in at the finish Yes, that we saw after we got our photographs with Jeff. But I'm jumping ahead of myself, though. But So the start, they the waves, you are right, they happened really fast. So when we actually got up to the start, we crossed the finish line. We waved at Jeff, and he waved at us, and then we were off on the downhill that starts off the course. Yeah, it's a quick downhill mm-hmm. kind of running between some of the some of the buildings in mm-hmm. Midtown Atlanta. And yeah. then you hang that right heading out towards Ponce de Leon. Which I am very, very careful with now. That's the area where a couple of years ago Amy <laughs> found a pothole. I did. was doing her civic duty to help out the citizens of Atlanta. Oh boy. And she found yeah. it with her ankle, rolled it severely. Yep. We've but, talked about that before, but so we avoided that area. I was very careful this year. Good, and you did great. And then after after Dana saw me and knew that I had successfully cleared that hurdle and that yes. I was aware of my surroundings and watching everything, he said, "Hey, I gotta go. I'm gonna take off." Um, if you've looked at the album artwork, if you've looked at the episode artwork you will see a picture of Dana with a Krispy Kreme donut box (laughs) because I said I'd do it. He said he would do it when we previewed this race and when we talked about it before on the show. So he ran ahead, went into the oldest freestanding Krispy Kreme in Atlanta and got what? Half a dozen donuts. Yeah. I, when you, this first part of the race is really pretty uphill. So mm. you make that right turn onto Piedmont and it takes you oh boy. on a slow, gradual climb mm-hmm. up to Ponce de Leon. You hang the left and you're heading down Ponce, which is a main thoroughfare in Atlanta that will take you into and out of downtown. Yes, it's hilly, but it's not really all that bad that start. No, it's pretty gradual. Just so you know. But that is a kind of a straight flat section of Ponce, but then when it starts to go downhill a little bit at the bottom of that hill is that Krispy Kreme. So yeah, man. I took off, went up, 
did my thing at Krispy <laughs> Kreme and I fired up the, uh, the, I believe I did it on Facebook live. Did you do Facebook live? Yeah. Fa- Facebook or Instagram. I did one of some those. live video and I was showing everybody, you know, purchasing the donuts and all that. And I was like, well, let me see if I timed it just right. And as I walked out of Krispy Kreme, Amy's rounding the turn. Cause the first or the, uh, the next turn is right there at the, at that Krispy Kreme heading, um, well, basically heading to another uphill section Yes, that um, is eventually going to take us out to the Martin Luther King Jr. Museum. Yes. So I came out with my half dozen. I was behind some of- I, I didn't even was, see you come out. Well, no, you were rounding the corner and you were very intense. Uh. And <laughs> I had I had struck up some conversation with some of the 3.30 pacers or the four-hour pacers. And I said- would you ladies like some donuts? I'll be right back. I went and got them. And as I came out of the building, there they were. I handed them the donuts and then tragedy struck. Oh. Gravity happened. My clumsiness happened. I all on live video. All people. on live video. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's like a bad juggling act and, or, or like an episode of, uh, or like watching, you know, some shaky cam movie, you know, like, like, <laughs> I'm trying to juggle my phone, the donuts, they fall. And I'm like, oh, five second rule. So sad. The pacers actually helped me pick the donuts up. And they're like, don't. It was funny. And they're like, don't tell her. And I said, I have to tell her. I have to disclose. So they said not to tell me. Yeah, they did. Oh my gosh. If you rewatch the video, you can hear it. I don't think I heard that. So I trot on up. I get caught up to you on the uphill. Yep. And we had some, some hashtag Road donuts. We had street donuts, road donuts, whatever you want to call them. Whatever hashtag meets those needs. So we had some carbs on the course. They were glorious. Well, they were warm. They were soft. That donut is perfect. Krispy Kreme glazed donuts. Oh, my god! And I know that Krispy Kreme is a donut you can get anywhere or most anywhere throughout the country, wherever oh, sure. they have them. And they often sell them uh, in boxes and in in some places, I will tell you stores, things like that. There's nothing like a actual Krispy Kreme from one of their locations. And these just came off the conveyor belt. Oh my gosh. So they're still warm and gooey and just Mm. perfect. So Mm -mm. we started our our eating journey on the actual race course. itself before we made it to mile two. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, actually. And just as we finished the donuts, Mm -hmm. we, got to mile two, which is yes. your first water stop on the course. Yes. And shout out to this race. Yeah. They actually do a fantastic job. All of their race um, volunteers are as friendly as they can be. They're oh, clapping and applauding. So you. motivating. Every water stop has both water and electrolyte. Yes. The electrolyte, I think it's accelerate. They use accelerate. Yes. yes. And then at every water stop, they had a porta potty. Yes, and at some of them, I will tell you at the later ones, not at that mile two one, but at the mile four one, at the one coming off the belt line around mile six, mile six they had pretzels and snacks. Yeah, and I had not seen that. I mean, you don't normally see that on a course. So. So. This was a course, while we would normally not counsel you against carrying something of your own. Sure. 
Jeff does a fan and his and his team, they do a fantastic job of making sure mm-hmm. that the on course support is second to none. Yeah, you can rely on the the water stops, the refueling stops, the the porta potties that are there all along the course. It's consistent support. Yeah, and plenty of volunteers at each one. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So, so. mile two. Mm-hmm. Then you're heading um Heading out towards the Martin Luther King Jr. Museum. And that's a little more uphill. A little more, again, still more uphill. Mm-hmm. Jeff loves to say how this race course ends lower than it starts, but he neglects to tell you that there's a whole lot of up and down in between. But it's not horrible. It's not. It's not steep. I, yeah, it's not steep. It's not like the hills that we saw at Run the Bluegrass. Very much not the same. It's not like a Kentucky hill. No. These these are much more subtle. Mm -hmm. But that said, it is a hilly course, Mm -hmm. so you do need to be prepared for that if you're looking to doing this race weekend. Yeah. So, But once you get past, what, the Martin Luther King Center, Mm -hmm. the Martin Luther King Jr. Center, then you do have that highway. That's a that's a downhill that takes you away from the MLK Museum and that heads you out towards the Carter Presidential Library. Yeah, and there's an overpass and it's, it's a and, nice downhill area. Yeah, it's a nice downhill and and some flat area and you can you cross the 5k mark. Yes. in that area and then you kind of veer off of oh. that highway. Mhm. And oh. you get um past the library and then you make a turn and that is where like right around mile four right around there's a porta potty and another water water stop stop. yes and then you're making that basically it's like a switchback that you're Mm -hmm. doing and that's taking you out to the belt line Mm -hmm. and i like that switchback because you can see some of the faster people as you're coming to that switchback you can see some of the faster people and su- such great runners at this event. Everybody's Pacers, yelling at each other, waving the, at each other. Yeah, like way to go and applauding and calling out if they know you and even if they don't. Well, we had some extra milers yeah. yelling at us and saying yeah. hey. Saying hey, like from the 330 group or from the, the three hour. I mean, it was just, they were so friendly yeah. and so motivating and it, it was just great. So... That little switchback after you pass that, it's some some really pretty scenery and a descent into on your way to the Atlanta Beltline. Yes, that, that's yeah. kind of a steeper downhill because it's it's kind of abrupt getting you down into the or you make this turn and kind of go under an overpass yeah. and you're boom you're on the Beltline. Mm-hmm. And the Beltline is the straight flat. And very interesting surroundings in terms of that portion of the course. It's probably one of the fastest segments of the race. Yeah. I mean, it. what is it, two miles, but it doesn't really feel like two miles? Yeah, something it's a, like that? It's about two miles, yeah. and you are on a closed section of the course oh, that yeah. has no cross traffic. No traffic. But plenty to look at. Yeah, you have a bunch of people, first of all, walking or running, and so many with dogs. You got that. You've also got the changing art installations that are all along the 
the Beltline because the Beltline is designed as a linear park in Atlanta and you've got the, the all these art installations that change over time. Mm-hmm. So every year we run it, there's something new. Yeah. Something different. Yeah. And this is also the place when we were running that as you're going, you're, you're kind of running in between what used to be old abandoned warehouses. Now a lot of them have been reclaimed and repurposed and now you've got some just amazing mm-hmm. downtown urban housing so you mm-hmm. know you get these great loft apartments you've got these fantastic restaurants and even a brewery that we yeah. run right past and we talked about it on the 5k episode that new realm new realm brewing yeah and you know their their outdoor seating area is right there on the belt line yeah and the only thing that would have made it better is if they had like you know Tastings. ability to have a beer stop. That would be ideal. I would love that. But anyway, but that it's, is, a great, it's a great part of the course. It is. It's a fast <laughs> section of the course. Yeah. And we just had great, just great weather. And, so beautiful. You know, it's kind of like running, running in fall, which oh, was great. The leaves, the changing leaves. So you get on the belt line, that's your segment, and mm-hmm. you really made up some speed. Um, now, yeah. I, I was ahead of you. I, I got yeah. ahead of you, um, yeah. and I think that I stayed ahead of you until about mile nine. Yeah. But I was never more than two-tenths of a mile ahead. Oh, it felt like you were way ahead. Nope, because when we got off the belt line, heading to miles right there at mile six, um, I was I, there, that's a part where you start to climb up into the Virginia oh, Highlands. Oh, yeah. I, oh my gosh. I did my ascent and I'm looking down at the belt line and here comes Amy right through the water yeah. stop. I just couldn't catch him. I just couldn't catch him. But it's okay. Because this race, there is no atmosphere of pressure or stress. It's all about enjoyment. Oh, absolutely. And celebrating the run, walk, run method as well. Mm-hmm. So the ascent is pretty steep coming off the Beltline and going into the Virginia Highlands. Virginia Highlands being one of the older neighborhoods in Atlanta. And it, Beautiful. it is absolutely Highland. It is, you know, <laughs> rolling hills, climbing up. <laughs> yes. But I mean, they're again, not as steep, even in that area, not quite as steep as Kentucky Hills. No, no, no. That we've run. So don't let that scare you away from the race because the, I mean, you do have hills, but then it levels out and then you, there's a water stop. Mm. Water stop is at St. at the intersection of St. Charles and North Highland Avenue. Yeah. There's a Coca-Cola right mural by picture. The, right by the Coca-Cola mural. Yeah. Uh, which is a famous uh, Atlanta landmark. And they are at that water stop. They're like, hey, he's only like 30 seconds ahead of you. He's only a minute ahead of you. Really? You're great. It's go, go, go. And again, they had water. They had accelerate. They had pretzels. It was great. Really nice people. Yeah. And this is the part where they kind of made a little bit of a, a subtle but noticeable change to the course. I agree because I would come through this course in years past, this part of the course. And because we are kind of, we're back of the Packers, we usually have been guided to the sidewalk at this point in the race and this, off the road. Yeah, this is a, a very busy area. Once you make that turn onto North Highland, this is residential mm-hmm. and also light commercial. Mm-hmm. 
bars, restaurants, Limerick Junction, a lot of places that are very popular. Yeah. And the way Atlanta PD handled the traffic plan over years past, they were sending runners to the sidewalk, keeping us safe, doing an excellent job. This year, though, they were not doing that. They, what I, I noticed was, and this was just very interesting, you would yeah. have an APD officer utilizing their car for one intersection, and then they would be at the next block mm-hmm. doing actual manual traffic control. So yeah. basically, they were getting two for one in the way they were doing traffic control. And they were keeping us worked. on the roads. So it worked out great. They were keeping us on the roads through the Virginia Highlands, through that kind of rolling hill and busier intersections. But it it was just, yeah, it was, I loved that experience in that part of the race. I really did. Being a part of, being on the road Mm -hmm. more so. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky. That's running right through there. I used to work in that area of Atlanta Mm -hmm. in in college. And it is, a lot has changed and a lot has stayed the same. So it was just great seeing that. And then when you come out of that, you go temporarily back through some neighborhoods and then you come out and you pass other businesses. Like there was an Italian restaurant that we didn't quite get to that I really wanted to um, along the course. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's fodder for next year, but it, it led me past, it led us past a school and then we curved around to where I saw you and a photographer taking pictures. Yeah, at the at the point where you come off of the Atlanta Beltline, that is right near. I want to say right near uh, Monroe Drive, mm. and you're you're very close to. You're right on the on the cusp of the um, Piedmont Park. Mm-hmm. So that is the mile six mark. You basically do three miles through the Virginia Highlands and you loop back and you're basically approaching the same intersection from a different direction. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I was a little bit ahead of you and I I took that opportunity to hit the mile six potty stop. Okay. And then I, they had one of the course photographers there and I said, I'm just going to wait here with you for my wife. And (laughs) you were again you were only two tenths of a mile behind me in fact i'm looking at a screenshot right here showing you had a whole bunch of time though sounds like to me not not a ton Um, (laughs) speedy i'm proud of you well i was my knee was cooperating yeah feeling pretty good so i got right there with the photographer got a photo of you coming down the road yes indeed which is i think in the artwork maybe might be for the episode but yeah and that was where yeah. we started our turn as we went along the outer perimeter of Piedmont Park heading to mm-hmm. mile nine. Yes. And the mile nine and mile 10 por- portion of the course, it's on the road outside of Piedmont Park. I think we did a little Instagram live there at mile nine. We did. Yes. And then we headed to 10. Basically, you're going around the entire perimeter of Piedmont. You pass the Flying Biscuit. Oh, yeah. You go right by Flying Biscuit. Which is a delicious breakfast location. You're you're going right down Piedmont, right past the main gate. And then you you are literally doing almost three whole sides of Piedmont Park's perimeter. And there's a water stop. There's a refueling at like just before mile 10. Yeah. They, they basically do water and potty stops every other mile. 
Yeah, it's like it every two miles, to. something like that. Yeah. So then you have that. You hit mile 10. You make your way all the way around, and you come into Piedmont kind of by Orpheus Brewing. Yes. And it, where we finished Barb's 5K. Yeah, you're, you're right there near near Orpheus Brewing at Barb, where we did for Barb's 5K mm-hmm. and right near Jeff's uh, run shop, Fidipides. Yeah, and then you turn into... Again, you're in Piedmont Park and you're making your way towards the dog park. Yeah, really at that point, once you enter Piedmont Park, you basically are doing Barb's 5K all over again. A little, but there's a little bit of difference because you head up towards that stone building. Yeah, you're doing doing some sections of the park that you didn't do at Barb's 5K, but the first part of that is basically all of Barb's 5K. Yeah. Because well, most that, of it, because yeah. then it, there comes a point where they turn you around to send you back out the way you came for the five k for Jeff's race. You keep going. Yeah, yeah. So you get to the stone building where the where stone. his the gray stone building, which is where his VIP. If you do ever purchase the VIP package, which where their their post race is, light partying. refreshments, yeah. time with Jeff. Mm-hmm. So we came into the park. We saw a fantastic dogs and a great view of the skyline Ugh. and the the park is really it's mostly fat there's the flat there's a little ascent making our way toward that building where the vip party is yeah very gradual um yeah i mean there's certainly some uphill i mean piedmont yeah. park is basically a big rectangle and inside that rectangle you've got some elevated land and then mm. a big bowl in the middle with yeah. big flat fields where people fly kites run their dogs music festivals you name it oh it's gorgeous but it is a gorgeous park yeah and then you make your way up to the finish and the finish line announcer he's so great about catching bibs and announcing names like he said i think i found amy costin <laughs> now and and there's a there's a poor photographer that I really need to apologize to, honestly, <laughs> uh, that he was trying to get us a just before the finish line shot together. He wanted to get a great vanity shot. Yeah. And you were yeah. so close to a PR time. She yeah. basically like throw an elbow, knocks him out of the way. I did not throw an elbow at him, <laughs> but I felt really bad because I just kept going and he was like, pause for a photo. And I was like, no. Gotta go. <laughs> and I, w- I was hoping for an overall PR and I was within six, five, six seconds of it. Yeah, five seconds off. I didn't. From your I got personal a, best. I got a personal best on that course. I improved over last year. Yes. But it was not an overall PR. I missed it by five seconds. You missed your overall PR by five seconds. Yeah. But like I said, the day of the race, this was your your <sighs> PR. Your your PR for the half marathon was on a much flatter course than this. True. So you take that into account and you realize that you were within five seconds of your PR on a flat course. You did really awesome. You and you, you did too. absolutely rocked it. Yeah, I wasn't close to a PR though. So <laughs> you, but I mean, when you think about the year that you've had, this is kind of our year end show. Yeah. At, when you think about what you went through in July and what you went through with physical therapy, this, I mean, you're, I mean, you could have shot ahead of me. And gone for your PR. I could have. And I'll pick a race this year and do my PR. But you know, this wasn't going to be the one. I 
I would rather PR on a flatter course so that I can get my, what's going to be closest to my peak. You know, what yeah. can I do? Uh, this one would be a little more challenging for that. So I may do either if we, if we decide to shoot down to the keys to do that race again as a mm-hmm. training run, or yeah. maybe one of the Disney races, if we do that as a training run, but yeah, back to you. Sorry. And your achievement here. I just so you were five seconds off your PR on a substantially hillier course than yes. the one you actually PR'd on. So yes. I think that if you were to translate that performance, you probably would have gotten another overall PR. So I mean, you know, if we had not had donuts, maybe, maybe, maybe a donut cost you I, the cost you the PR. It, but I enjoyed that so much, and I wasn't really super focused on getting a personal best because this it's such an enjoyable race. It really is. And so you end up, you, you cross the finish line, you get your medals because we ran both the 5k and the half marathon. This Mm -hmm. makes it a double G. So if you've signed up for the double G challenge, you get a third medal. Yeah. So we got a great set of bling. Yes. And it was a different medal for the half than last year. Yes. Because of the partnership. Yeah. They, they have totally different medals. And I loved what they did. Great ribbons. Mm -hmm. So the bling at this race is fantastic. So if that's one of your motivators for doing races, this is one to look at. That blue and gold half marathon medal. That was great. The double G didn't change, which I love. So they have a, a connection to, Jeff and Barb and that classic double G medal. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that, but I just really loved the changes to the half marathon medal. It was really great. It would had some gold glitter yeah. and just really nice Navy accents, uh, Northside hospital uh, logo yeah. or wording yeah. on the medal. And it's, it's nice knowing that you're, you're, running for a great cause yeah. in addition to doing such a great race and actually several great causes. Cause it helps the conservancy. Yes. In, in addition to so much more like the dog park out there, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a great, great race for so many reasons. And a couple of uh, final thoughts on, on tips for people considering doing this race. Yeah. This was our first year, not driving to Atlanta for this race. We flew we in flew. Yeah. and if you are, going to fly into Atlanta Hartsfield International Airport, just so you know. The MARTA, um, Metro Atlanta Regional Transit Authority there, (laughs) the train will take you straight from the airport all the way downtown, actually take you all the way to North Atlanta. Um, But we were staying in in the Hilton Atlanta downtown. It Mm -hmm. took us to within a six minute walk of our hotel. Yeah. So you have fantastic travel options Mm -hmm. if you are not looking to drive and because Atlanta and the, the, major the main area right down there is so dense mm. it is a great place to use rideshare yeah and even if you just wanted to walk or you want to use some of those electric scooters for rent they have like three or four different brands of those things mm-hmm. everywhere yeah so getting around atlanta is not difficult not hard at all so for those that are, might be traveling or thinking about traveling to this race mm. it's it's a great one for you to leave the car at home yeah yeah or, you know, if you if you drive in, the traffic's not going to be really bad for you if you actually utilize your own vehicle. 
Well, I mean, if you time around, it right, if you time it right, not around the like the Sunday morning race. It's really not bad. No, but I so. wouldn't. I wouldn't drive to the Sunday morning race. No, I wouldn't either. But if you do drive in, if you are near the area, then yeah. it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. So, yeah, that's the run. Yeah, highly recommend this one if you're looking at doing a race in Atlanta, especially due to the time of year. Of course, the race that Atlanta is most famous for is the Peachtree Road Race, which is in July. That is in July, and that's a totally different yeah. run experience with uh, with summers in Atlanta, yeah. sometimes topping 110 degrees with heat index. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you're looking at doing an Atlanta race, this might be a good one to start. Yeah. And then see if you really want to try a hot weather race after this. Fantastic. Fantastic. But all that running made us hungry. Oh. And you entrusted me with choosing where we were going to go. I, I did. I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, I was thinking about the man who went to school in Atlanta and knows all the great and tasty haunts there. Well, I did know of a great and tasty haunt way back then. And it has... As it, turns out stood the test of time it has uh there was a great midtown bar that opened in the 90s called the highlander there can be only one well I, there is only one in atlanta i know so anybody from the 70s and 80s yeah. that gets that oh, movie yeah. reference yeah you if you don't get that movie reference netflix it it's absolutely worth your time but this place is absolutely what i would call a dive bar. There's no mistaking this yes. for anything other than that. So it's no wonder that some of their dishes have been featured on diners, drive-ins and dives. I, well, I was shocked to hear that. I didn't need, we didn't even know that. We didn't when even we planned know. It. Yeah. And we get there. And we're like, Oh, they've been on triple D. Well, well, now they've been on the run, eat, drink podcast. Yeah. So good for them. Bam. And I can say I knew about this place before Guy Fieri did. Cause exactly. I was going there in college. Right. But they have evolved and added to their menu over time. Um, this place is dark. They have just the most eclectic collection of things on the walls. They do. A lot of things that, that you know, really... Artwork. The artwork that references like old heavy metal um, mm -hmm. posters and, you know, tattoo artwork. And just, it's just a, a neat weird vibe of a place yeah it's cool it's they have they have outdoor seating they do have outdoor they, seating and indoor in the bar and they've always had outdoor seating i, I think that they've expanded that in the which is good 20 years yeah so but you know i really just i want to talk about the food well, okay. So we get, <laughs> well, well, we got there and we started out, we wanted to get something in our, our stomachs. So we started out with an appetizer. And when you're in the South, you're going to find fried food. That is a mainstay oh. of Southern cooking. And here at the Highlander, they had fried pickles. Oh, just And it's not just on. a pickle. No. It's a fried habanero pickle yes with garlic and also served with a buffalo ranch sauce yeah okay so mm. Mm. what could i say about this or do you want me to start or you want to start i loved it <laughs> i loved it i'm just gonna put it out there i thought the breading was perfect it wasn't a cornmeal breading 
No. Just light flour. Just light flour. Dusting. And I don't know if they marinated the pickles or just. Well, I think by definition they marinate the pickles. Like, no, I mean like in a <laughs> buttermilk type deal or oh, whatever. No, that I don't know. Uh, but it, they were, they stood up to the breading. They didn't fall apart. They weren't really super greasy at all. They The breading stuck to the pickle. Yeah. And as you ate them, the heat level built. Yeah. Now, a lot of times you'll see habanero on a menu. Mm-hmm. And that scares people off. But I don't think it built to an unreasonable heat level. That was what I was going to say. You are, you you hit the nail on the head. Like the first pickle, just a little bit of tingle. But mm-hmm. as you eat them, they build. Yeah, yeah. But never in the point of the two of us splitting this monster pile. Oh my gosh, yes. Because it, it was a big serving. Huge. Never did the heat get so bad that you're you're sweating or you're you're you know chasing it with with your beer or whatever, mm. you know, going, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, it's just so hot. I can't eat it. Yeah. It's not too intimidating in no. spite of it being habanero. So if you're looking yeah. at this, if you, if you head here, absolutely consider it. Even if you're not the biggest chili head, because I don't think it's going to bite you. I think the way were, that you think, no, I really think that what you get more than the heat is a little bit of the fruitiness of a habanero. Yeah. If you've ever tasted habanero, it has such a different flavor than say a jalapeno. Mm-hmm. Jalapeno is a little more waxy, a little more peppery, like a bell pepper, like a bell pepper. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's a fruity taste to a habanero that, yeah. Admittedly gets drowned out by the heat. I mean, but I think that what they did was what whatever habanero they utilized, they deseeded. Yes. You know. For the most part. Yeah. So that you didn't have something that was too overwhelming. And I liked the ranch dip. It was not super thick. It wasn't like blue cheese in its consistency. No. It was like a, a thinner dip. And it was thicker pickles. Well, who knew the best way to make ranch dressing even better was to simply add buffalo sauce to it. And you know what else I thought was really great? The sandwiches that we had and also the sides of chili. Oh, yeah. Mm. So we both chose to have the sides of chili. I mean, there are several different sides, several different options on the sides menu that you could, you could have one is a cup of chili and we upgraded our cup of chili for, I think a buck. Yes. Something like that, which is nothing, you know, to partake in what they call jerk chili, spicy homemade chili that was featured on triple D. Yeah, this is a traditional meat and bean chili, but it's got Jamaican jerk spices in it. So you get a slightly sweet hints of things like cinnamon and clove, just a very, very subtle hint of that. So good. And that sweetness, is, which is unexpected, and then also some heat in Mm. there. Yeah. And that heat builds... But if you get that as your side, it's just a cup. It's just a cup. And, and it's not really overwhelming. No, not at all. It builds. It's still, it's delicious. Just a little tickle on the back of your throat and Meaty, maybe on the lips. Rich in spices, not spicy for the sake of spice. Exactly. Oh, just levels of flavor. Yeah. Can't, can't tell you enough. Yeah. So that side was awesome. Although you could have other sides. 
And then the burger, your facial expression when you ate your burger <laughs> was so worse. I'm so glad I got a photograph of you biting into that burger. Why? Because you looked like you loved it. Well, I did. Tell us about it. Well, the Southern Slam burger is the one it. that is the one that I opted for. Oh. And number one, they do proper cook temperatures there. So <laughs> you love that. Well, there's nothing that drives me more nuts than going to a place that says that they will only do their burgers to medium well. Yes. That's the rarest they'll go. That almost makes me want to leave anytime we go to a place like that. I like my burgers medium rare, mm. and they had no problem giving me a properly cooked medium rare burger. But this medium rare burger was topped with pimento bacon cheese and coleslaw. So pimento cheese is what they call the caviar of the South. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. You know, typically it's, it's, you know, your mayonnaise base with um, cream cheese and sour cream and shredded, um, shredded cheddar cheese, some spices, and that's mixed up and usually used as a dip or used as a spread. And how do you make it butter? You add bacon to it. Of course. So this pimento cheese concoction had bacon inside of it. It had that smokiness, the saltiness, and the the just richness of bacon in addition to the sharpness mm. of the cheese. Oh, my gosh. And then they topped it with creamy coleslaw. Yum. And that gave you a nice, sweet, crunchy, cool contrast. So you got all different levels of texture you had textural differences you had flavor differences and then of course you had the burger patty which was perfectly cooked nicely seared on the outside juicy on the inside Mm. absolutely fantastic bar burger and here's the kicker nine bucks yeah the pickles were like seven bucks yeah and they were huge they could feed an army yep Pickles were huge. Burger was great. Oh, I'm sorry. You you mentioned it that we had a um, a slight upcharge for for our side. Right. So okay, ten bucks for for what I got. Well, yeah. Couldn't beat it. Oh. What you're getting, and then of course you get lettuce, tomato, onion, mayo on your burger as well. I've seen places charge double for what we had. Oh, we've been to places that that charge double. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, and I will tell you this, up on their website, they have their menu and they have something listed that I ended up having. But if you go in there, it may not be on the printed menu anymore, but they'll still make it for you. Uh So that's an insider tip. Tell us. A Paris, Texas melt, which has a Gouda, caramelized onions, Dijon mustard, and it's served on my favorite grilled Texas toast. (laughs) Oh, the toast was crunchy. It was the perfect level of crunch. And yes, I did a medium rare cook temperature on the the burger. And when you split it open, you could just tell the meat was going to be so tender. I have to, I'm I'm drooling right now. I'm (laughs) sorry. But this, I mean, oh, caramelized onions, I, they add a different sweetness 
a, a different flavor and it's sweetness in that onion as opposed to raw onions. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and the Gouda is just smoky and it, you Melts just, really well. And then you have the tang of the Dijon mustard. And I, oh, when you bite into that, you have tang, you have sweetness, you have smoky, you have the meatiness, and you have the toast that just holds it all together. Oh, my goodness. And your burger was huge, too. It was so huge. It was great. And I I would order it again 100 times over. And there are other menu offerings that we were interested in more burgers more entrees the like the breakfast offerings that they have like late night well yeah they do they do late night breakfast offerings but they they had things like a salmon blt with um orange ginger bourbon salmon yeah applewood smoked bacon and then they serve that on texas toast they've got one called the mother clucker which is a fried chicken breast with cheddar cheese applewood smoked bacon homemade pickles honey sriracha and a fried egg on top oh so i mean they've got just some really interesting fantastic bar food yeah they do have entrees like actual fork and knife entrees that go up to 14 15 dollars oh sure but they are not breaking the bank and for what you get and the amount of food you're getting, I think you it's a could tremendous value. Yeah, it's a great deal. I just, I wish that we had been able to come back and have like that breakfast anytime deal, where mm-hmm. if you order a drink, if you order a, a beverage, an alcoholic beverage, then you can get fifty percent off the breakfast entrees. Because I really wanted that green chili cornbread waffle. Well, yeah, it's their take on chicken and waffles. Uh, with the chicken chunks, yeah. which are apparently also an appetizer that you could have, but butter syrup and sriracha honey, come on. <laughs> come on. Well, maybe if we do Jeff's Race this coming year for 2020, we now have a place to go back for some yeah. late night dining. So good. So, so good. Can't cannot, say enough about it. No, we cannot recommend enough for you to go check out the Highlander in yeah. Midtown Atlanta. A dive that is worth visiting. And we will have a link to them in the show notes yep. so that you can check out their website and learn more about this fantastic place from my years of going to college there in Atlanta. A fairly new place, like uh, three years old, is uh, where we had some of the best beer of the trip. Yes, because if you're going to have some of that spicy food like we were talking about, you've got to chase it with something cold to drink. So we headed out to the west side of Atlanta Mm -hmm. and checked out a relative newcomer on the brewing scene in the metro Atlanta area called Scofflaw Brewing. Very successful newcomer, I will say, because their place was huge. And it looked like they were just producing a lot of great beer. Their production facility was great Mm -hmm. with a... Enormous tap room, mm-hmm. great outdoor seating area that was just oh. gorgeous, very beautiful lighting. And I would, would love to see that at night. I absolutely would too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That it was just gorgeous. And you can, what you, and you walk in, and when you walk in to, 
their tap room, you can see all the barrels that are aging. You, they have those uh, garage-style doors that I'm sure they have come up during music events and things like that. And they have like the, the picnic table-style seating. Yeah, really long picnic tables, so um, wood can, tops with a metal frame. Yeah, it's and as you walk in, as soon as you enter, there's a station where you can set up whatever you want in a flight. Yeah, that was kind of a neat thing that we Which haven't like. seen. Like yeah. they basically had your your flight station. So you head over. They got a couple of barrels there with some wood pallets sitting on top, and then it's they have these. Yeah, to create these tables. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, they got the instructions kind of written on chalkboards mm-hmm. and they have um, uh, clipboards with the menu and your your form that you fill out to check off which beers you want. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. And then you could head up to the the bar to get your flight or a pint, whatever you wanted. And there's, it's a goat. Is it a goat? Yeah, their their mascot is a goat. Yeah, it's a goat, and it had like a Santa hat on. It was like it was it was a huge kind of statue mannequin type mannequin thing. type deal that I with got a, a picture with. Yeah, goat's head, and I oh god, it was so fun. Yeah, it looked like it looked like a outlaw biker with yeah. a goat's head and mm-hmm. Santa hat on. Yeah. Holding a, of course, holding a can of, of Scofflaw beer. Of course. Naturally. Naturally. So you go up and they'll give you your flight and they give it to you in like a box, like a, a wooden box. A wooden box. It looks like the pallets have been made into a box. They reclaimed the wood and made their flight holders out of the, the, wood pallets i love it great and then they because it's a safe way to oh absolutely to travel to the tables with it anyway they stenciled their their brand right on the right on the wood yeah it's so cool such a cool way to like bring your flight to the table and it just looked tasty so and we each did a flight and there were what one two three four there were five we each did five yeah and we both went totally different in terms of the types of beers that we were doing. I don't think we overlapped at all. I don't think we did. So this may be a a longer beer review segment. Well, it is. We are just hitting the one hour mark now. So, <laughs> folks, this is as this is the year end segment for us. Please, yes. uh, you know, this is going to be a great episode for your long run. Yes, we probably got a you know. A, few more minutes in us talking about these beers, but it's like totally worth it. Many more minutes. <laughs> but Scofflaw is great. Their beers are delicious. So, And I like that we didn't really, we didn't overlap, did we? I don't think we did. Fabulous. So, do you want me to start or do you yes, want to start? Yes, fire us off. All right. So I started because these guys did have a pretty good selection of different kinds of IPAs on tap. Mm. Um I started with one of their core beers. So this is something called the Basement IPA. And they describe it as straight from the basement. This juicy IPA is a Citra bomb at 7.5% ABV. Kind of high. Kind of high. Um, And this is a golden yellow color beer with medium carbonation, medium body, slight sweetness, to it, which was unexpected for me. 
this had very strong notes of citrus zest and had very nice lacing along the, the edge of the glass when I would swirl it. It was just a, this was, this one I would do a whole pint of. Yeah. And this is one of those where if you like the more citrusy IPAs as opposed to the piney ones, this would be a fantastic choice for you. Well, I started my flight not with one of their core beers, but with an IPA as well. And oh. you know what I like? I like the name of yours, the the basement, mm-hmm. the reference to the basement, because that is where they started. Yeah. And one of the guy's mom's basement. Yeah. Was what they were talking about. And, they started home brewing. Yeah. And I think that Joe, who's the head brewer, we will have a quick bite of our chat with him. And he talks kind of about their roots and where it all came from. And I, I, that is to me, one of the best parts of doing this show is we get to meet some really interesting, cool people and hearing how these guys got together and decided to, to become brewers and, and do this just was just so neat and so nice of him to take a few minutes I know. and come out and grab a beer and sit with us and talk. It seemed like a very busy time, so we really appreciate his time. Can't wait to share it. Yeah. Think it deserves its own quick bite. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so I had not one of their core beers with the basement reference. I had something called Sucker Punch. Okay. Sucker Punch. I just liked the name. But they they like IPA, uh, brewing IPAs. So... They they have a few on the list in addition to other styles that we'll get to, but this was 6.5 ABV, and it's an IPA that is brewed with lemon zest and grapefruit. Hmm. Lemon zest and grapefruit. Nice. So grapefruit seemed different to me, but it had all those citrus notes, had light carbonation, and it, mine had the similar kind of lacing on the glass mm-hmm. that you talk about. And it was like a golden yellow, not not too, too golden, because there are some darker ones that I had later on the flight that were more of a dark golden beer color. Right. This, this was like a medium golden. And I actually, it was not too bitter. It was this very citrus forward. And I just, it packed a citrus punch. And I liked it. Okay. You know, if it had been a piney kind of IPA, I don't know if I would have loved it as much. I, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have. Right. But this was, I, yeah, I liked it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we both started out with some strong IPA offerings from them. Yes. I went, for my next beer, I went uh, something a little more of your speed. But oh. I went with something that they call the sneaky wheat. And sneaky wheat. their description of it says nothing unusual about this open quote, traditional close quote, wheat. Uh-huh. Crisp and clean. And then they hit you with this 8.5% ABV <laughs> in a wheat beer. Well, bam. Bam. That, there's the sneaky part. This was a golden yellow wheat beer, and it was surprisingly clear. A lot of times when you get wheats, you'll see them being a little on the cloudy side. Mm. Yeah. This had a medium body. This also had a little bit of an unexpected sweetness, and this was the part that 
that actually, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I loved this part, but as I exhaled after swallowing, I mm. was getting something that reminded me of star anise. Oh, licorice flavor. Yeah, a little licorice. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely with the medium body and that 8.5% ABV, if you drank a pint or two of this, you wouldn't care. <laughs> but um, it, it's good. I just, for me, I'm not a fan of star anise okay. usually. And yeah, I, again, I, I, agree. Even, I don't even know if that's correct. That's just the closest thing I can liken it to. Well, usually what you think of first, that's kind of like a memory to a certain flavor you've had as a child. And yeah. That. So, yeah. I mean, you describe it, how you taste it. That's... Yeah. But it's definitely higher ABV than normal wheat beers. And mm -hmm. a lot of people that like wheat beers and, and don't mind more floral or um, like star anise type flavors would really dig this. So again, great offering. Not my favorite of the flight. Okay. Well, I think my next one may have been one of my favorites. I mean, I liked them all very much, but... They have just introduced some hard seltzer. Yes, they have. At Scofflaw. And Georgia Peach Seltzer was the first one that they introduced. And it's 5% ABV. A -A <laughs> I have not been drinking beer during this episode or any hard liquor, just so you know. <laughs> just water. <laughs> just And it had the color of water. Speaking of, yeah. it was completely see-through. Yeah. There and but there was some carbonation bubbles around the the top of the glass. Mm -hmm. I it may have been my favorite or maybe one a little later may have been my favorite, but because we took the picture and it was kind of gone, but <laughs> this peach seltzer was not like a dessert. It was not overly sweet. It was refreshing. It had a medium carbonation and it was more of an essence of peach rather than here's like a peach pie kind of flavor okay. or overly sugary, syrupy, right. sweet kind of deal. But you definitely got the peach. But you definitely got the peach. You got it on the nose. You got it when you exhaled after you tasted it. Mm -hmm. So there was no doubt what that flavor was if you had if you were just handed this and not told and you you tasted it right you would know it would be the peach hard seltzer okay so i liked it nice mm. well i went a totally different direction again i was all over the map in my in my <laughs> mind so i went for their interrogation stout oh a stout yes and i mean this is definitely more my wheelhouse so this is what they call a coffee milk stout mm-hmm and this was a mildly carbonated, almost but not quite entirely opaque stout that had strong roasted coffee notes with a very mm. heavy mouthfeel. So full-bodied coffee, just boom, right there. Loved this beer. 6.5% oh. ABV. Right in the middle. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah, this wasn't going to kill you. Of I've, defi I've definitely had, had higher ABV yeah. uh, stouts. Yeah. They have another stout on their list that's not part of my flight called their Scofflaw Stout, which mm -hmm. is even better. 
Oh, where did you partake in that? We had the scoff lost out when we were having <gasps> our burgers at the Highlander. We did. It was awesome, really. I and, just had to have him tell you. Yeah. And that was, our, I was doing, I called it a little bit of, you know, advanced recon. Research. But I, their stout game is phenomenal. Yeah. Here at Scofflaw. Yeah. So it was so good. Coffee milk stout. If you're into coffee stouts, boom, get this. You're not going to regret yeah. it. And yeah. if you see their Scofflaw stout, just their 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 core stout, mm -hmm. get that one too. It is fantastic. The next one I had was a Mexican lager that was just called Mexican lager. Well, I mean. So some of the names are creative or they refer to maybe a cause or a charity or some collaboration in the community, which I love, which Joe talks about in the chat that we're going to release mm -hmm. later on this week. But this Mexican lager just called Mexican lagers 4.2 ABV. And I would say the color is, it's, it's, a, Almost a bright yellow. Yeah, it's like a brighter golden. Yes. Like a brighter golden yellow. And it was light, very easy drinking. Very easy. It was not bitter, but it had, you know how we talk about, or how Kevin at Big Storm talked about bubblegum flavors bubble gum in Belgians? Or, yeah, that's often described as Banana also. Banana and clove and things that you have described as in Ho Garden that you sometimes get. Mm -hmm. I, it had some of those reminiscent very, very subtly. So it's different from, say, a, a Mexican lager like that we tried at Fort Myers Brewing Company. So a little bit different than, say... A Modelo Especial or, or Negro Modelo. Or Negro Modelo, yeah. So... It, it was it was just a little bit different, but it's like a, a nice, easy drinking, maybe if you're mowing the lawn on a hot day, that kind of thing. This would be a great poolside beer. Mm -hmm, poolside beer as well. So, yeah, I liked it. It was just a little bit different than the other Mexican lagers that we've had. Okay. Yeah. Would you get it again? I would. Do a whole pint? Sure. Okay. Sure. I might I might go for the seltzer, though, prior, prior before that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went, again, completely in a different direction uh, for my next one. And I was admittedly just going off of the name and maybe the ABV <laughs> on this one. Were you? I went with their Double Jeopardy. Okay. And they say that this is their brewmaster's favorite. So actually, that was another large part of the reason that I wanted to try this out to see what their brewmaster really you know, loved. They describe this as deceptively smooth and sweet, double IPA, and this one clocks in at 10% ABV. That's high. This was a deep golden color. This had mild to medium carbonation and a medium to heavy body. This, unlike most IPAs, had notes of caramel in it. Really? Yeah. And I was not expecting that. This was, I, they zigged when I thought they were going to zag. I really figured that, you know, being a, a, a brewery that really liked their IPAs, they might lean into the, the piney hops on this one. Yeah. But not so bad. And 
there was a slight bitterness on the finish, but that was kind of complemented by that those caramel notes. Mm-hmm. And man, balance very much so. Um, yeah. But because of the heavy body and the high ABV, I don't know that I would do a whole pint of this. This was great for doing it in a flight, but a whole pint of this, I would be full and drunk <laughs> because that, that heavier so like, bodied beer. Well, not really a dessert though. <coughs> no, not really a dessert beer. It wasn't sweet. Okay. But it would be, or if I were going to do it as a, as a dessert, I would probably, again, just get like a half pour just okay. because of the heavy body and the high yeah. ABV. Yeah. I get it. But I gotcha. Really, really good offering. Yeah. Well, I mean, they continue with the great offerings, I'm telling you. So I went from the Mexican lager to something that enticed me because of a name, Dirty Beaches. Because, you know, we're from Florida. And that intrigued me. 6.3 ABV. And it's actually a hybrid wheat and IPA beer. Interesting. And I really liked it because, you know, I'm a fan of wheat beers. Oh, yeah. So it's tropical fruit. And it was a collaboration or the idea kind of spawned from a partnership with a restaurant called uh, Victory Sandwich Company. Which we didn't get to try this time. No, but their menu looks amazing. It does. So, yeah, just file that away for 2020. I liked it so much. And I thought that the IPA, the, the bitterness that comes from IPA or that can tend to come from an IPA would be overwhelming. But I think that the wheat, it offered such a nice balance. Such a nice balance. There was nice, there was a nice head on the beer. And I I mean, I didn't get an individual picture because I drank it so quickly. (laughs) I just, but in the flight, it looks like one of the more golden colors. And a little cloudier too. And a little cloudier. And then it had, it had nice bubbles on the, on the rim Mm -hmm. there. So I really liked it. And I mean, who knew to combine those two styles would give it such a great balance. So would you do a whole pint of this one? Yes. Yes. But you know, I mean, it's not 10%. It's not super heavy in the body. So I, I would, I totally would. All right. Yeah. Good find. What else you got? Well, I'm going to finish out my flight with something called the double hooligan. Double hooligan. Not just a hooligan. Double. It's a lot of trouble. This one might get you in some trouble. In some trouble, yeah. This is, as they describe it, the double version of our staff favorite hooligan (laughs) with lotus and mosaic hops. Oh. 9% ABV. Ooh, so not the highest in your flight. No. Deep color, uh, a deep golden color, nice and clear. This had a light to medium body, very mild carbonation with uh, a bitterness on the front end that I wasn't a huge fan of. Oh, not the... But a citrusy finish. Okay. So you were more a fan of the finish 
of the sip that you have yes rather than the start the bitterness you get yeah and again this is coming from somebody who admittedly is not a huge ipa fan although they did have a couple of great options earlier in the set yeah um this the the staff uh that might be a staff favorite i go with the brewmaster and i really liked the double jeopardy Mm -hmm. as opposed to this one but um i can see why a lot of people would really dig this this is um if you like that bitter that bitter punch up front as opposed to that that i don't know that bitterness on the back of your throat this is a great one to go with okay nice well i rounded out. out i rounded out with an ipa so this one I I got because of the name and then found out later from Joe the backstory behind it. So this is Human Highlight Film, which is 6.4 ABV. It's a tropical IPA, and they brew it with different fruits depending on the, the time of year or maybe the generation that they brew, according to what he was talking about. This generation was brewed, or this batch, I guess, was brewed with pineapple, Nice. Yeah, pineapple. It was citrusy, not too bitter, medium body, so it wasn't like a it, it wouldn't make you full from a pint. Mm-hmm. I don't think. And but it, I I got a lot of carbonation from it. Okay. I got a lot of which I love on anything. I mm-hmm. love carbonation. So it was a a collaboration to raise funds for uh, an organization called Culture City, which supports autism awareness. Fantastic. And has strategies for people who have autism to kind of take breaks and and have coping strategies when they get overwhelmed. But it was created in collaboration with, uh, and I am not a, a basketball, like sports ball eludes me. <laughs> Okay, I was the daughter of a football coach, so I get that sport, but basketball, maybe not so much. Uh, I don't follow it, but apparently a retired Atlanta Hawks basketball player, Dominique uh, Wilkins, mm-hmm. is has been referred to as the human highlight film. Mm-hmm. Like, So that's where the name comes from, and his likeness is on the cans. And it was a collaboration, and then it ended up uh, being a fundraiser as well. And the, well, from what they were saying, a very popular beer. Yes. And I can see why. Not, I, I think that Dirty Beaches might have been my favorite along with this, the hard seltzer from my flight. But this was, was great. It wasn't really overwhelmingly bitter. And again, I was gravitating toward the citrus notes in the IPA. And there's the dog. Every episode, they're going to chime in. Every episode, they're going to chime in. You probably heard the girl earlier. And then that's the boy just waking up and shaking it out. So, of your flight, (laughs) what was your favorite? I think Dirty Beaches followed by the Peach Seltzer. Nice. Yours? I'm going to say the Interrogation Stout was my favorite, followed by the Double Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those were two of the richer beers in mm. the flight. Yeah. And I can I can honestly say that I really liked that um, that Imperial Double IPA. I mean, it was it was something else. So it's great. Not every day that you get a an IPA with caramel notes. Well. We'll have more of the backstory and a little bit more behind my flight when we talk with head brewer Joe McIntyre a little later on in the Quick Bite 
just wait. And that's going to be a video quick bite. It's going to be a video quick bite. Yeah. Although if you're on a run or you're in a, uh, on a commute, what you listen to in terms of the backstory and the beer, I think you'll still get a lot out of it, even if you don't watch. Yeah, absolutely. But you get a nice visuals of the beer as well. So, and you get to see what the inside of this place looked like. Yeah. So, so that's great. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that yeah. does it for the drink portion. So that brings us to the close of a slightly longer than normal episode. And yes. We appreciate you guys sticking with us. Thank you. In our year-end episode here. Oh. Next week, we are going to be training, getting ready for our first race of 2020. And we're mm-hmm. going to talk about the 2020 race calendar yes. next week. Yes. And I think that'll be a good place to start. Happy New Year. And we, we might give you some preview uh, tomorrow or if you're whenever you're listening to this, uh, keep an eye on our social media feeds on the 31st in the afternoon before the real festivities start and, the, <laughs> and all the partying. Yeah. We, we may do like a, a little end of the year beer chat yeah. or something just to talk about some of the stuff that we're, we've loved about 2019 and things Mm. we're looking forward to in 2020 yeah drawing this year to a close right absolutely toasting all the great stuff we had happen and the awesome experience we have had with our run eat drink podcast runcation nation we can't thank you enough for being a part of our journey this year and if you have a suggestion for the 2020 calendar you can shout it out on social media. We're at Running Drink Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and we're Running Drink Pod on Twitter. Or you could leave us a one minute message with your name, where you're from, and where we should accomplish, explore, and indulge. You can attach that little audio message, or you can write it to us on email at info at runeatdrink.net info at runeatdrink.net or you could call us at 941-677-2733. That's 941-677-2733 or info at runeatdrink.net. We cannot wait to hear from you. Also, do us a favor. Um, mm. Help spread the word about yes. the Runcation Nation and the Run Eat Drink podcast. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, a regram, a repost, a mm-hmm. retweet, anything that helps get the word out would be greatly appreciated. We rely on you, the members of the Runcation Nation, to help spread the word so that <laughs> other runners can figure out the best places to go when they are planning the vacation, their next vacation around a run. Yes. So with that, we have to say happy new year. Hope you have a great celebration ending 2019, kicking off 2020, right? And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the run, eat, drink podcast. We're having a great third year because of your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Run Eat Drink Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Run Eat Drink Pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or shoot us an email at info 
at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.